Welcome, Welcome to This Week in MTG with your host, Matt Olson. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode number 43 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We are your hosts, Matt Olson, that is I. Up over there, we have Danny Oakshead. What's up? And over that way, we have the Janky Boggle. Hey there. We got a, a visitor from Janky Boggle's side, little baby Boggle. She's she's going to have a lot of insight on everything we talk about today. Ain't that right, JB? Well, no, I just missed all that. <laughs> but let's give you that weekly breakdown. We're going to talk about the past weekend results, upcoming events with JB. Then we're going to talk about the news, then move into the finance section, and then close off with, I think, a very interesting deck of the week this week. So from there, I think we just jump into this and do this episode. Sounds good to me. Take it away, JB. So it looks like CFB Pro Showdown closed off this last week here and looks like Reed Duke was victorious Bracamontes was undefeated in the in the tournament and then he faced off against Reed Duke but was not victorious Reed Duke beat him holding that CF uh, the CFB title of pro player Good on you, Reduke, but also good on you, Roke, for for going undefeated with a very nice Racto sacrifice deck. Uh, Jun sacrifice. Jun sacrifice. Forgive me. There's green. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. He's running. He's running Corbold. I'm just blind as as all can be on that one. And you give me crap for having old man eyes. <laughs> I did. I did. I apologize. Never again, JB, will I make fun of your old age. You heard it here, folks. That was a lie. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lie. Danny calling us out on the truth there. So next up, we have some modern prelim updates here. Modern prelim went down on 626. And it looks like Kofuria went 5-0 in the modern prelim with none other than primetime. So that was our modern prelim event. That'll uh, wrap up our past events. On uh, to our upcoming events, we got the SCG Tour challenges happening throughout the week. Looks like they're going to be a mix of standard and historic again. Happening every day. So the Mana Trader series for next July here is going to be modern. Are you excited for that way, one, JB? I'm so excited. Way better than Pioneer for the past two months. W- what tech you bringing in? What do you think? Well, I mean, you've been playing Rack a lot, so just want to confirm if you're go- if you're going to stick to your namesake and play Boggles. Of course, I'm going to play Boggles. I don't have Rack built online yet. Mm. Well then, yeah, definitely got to be doing some boggle play there. Heck yeah, bringing home the W for this week in MTG. Hopefully, it has been doing good in uh good in meta and stuff right now. That and Infect has been showing up a little bit too. So, yep, boggle has been getting quite a few five O's lately. People aren't prepared for it. You know, they're more worried about. Rosa or uh, Snow Control or even Titan and stuff like Boggles just flies under the radar a lot of the time. Exactly. Which is why I love it. So it looks like that'll do it for our upcoming events. So now we'll turn around over to Danny. See what he has to say. So again, just like last week, we have no B&R announcements. So moving on from that, we will move to Blog Talk of the Week. 
And this blog talk comes from Jeff Sachs. He asks, Core 2021 is almost out, which means I have to ask, what is the next product we can bother you for information about? Mark replies, this was the 25th when you wrote it. I write my preview for Double Masters tomorrow, which would have been the 26th. With that being said, editing and everything, it should be out by July 3rd. After wait a few days to see what he says. I'm excited to see what's coming out news-wise for Double Masters. So am I. I want more information. I need to know whether or not I need to buy into it. You're going to want to buy into it. You're, yeah, you're going to want to buy into it. Don't worry about the VIP boosters or anything like that, but just yeah, no, buy, yeah. buy just boxes. No double Masters. It's going to be what, $200 a box? 300 Was it? Well, still. You can double the, double the rares and mythics. The value is so, going to be good. You, the, right there is what your what your money's at. So you're spending what hundred and fifty dollars on normal box. What's an extra hundred and fifty for the extra twenty four rares? For guys like me, that can make or break me. Well, I get that, but <laughs> that's also just this game and collecting and buying boxes in general. Exactly. But it's also going to put put those cards that you're looking for on the market at a, usually a cheaper price because they're over quantity. Yep. So moving along from that, uh, the beginning off with the news quickies. Alright, so first up we have FNM at home this Friday. is going to be a 60 card singleton. Break out those Lutri decks, everybody. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too when I saw that. I was like, oh man. I think Lutri would still be good even with the companion change because of that. Oh yeah. Get those blue singleton decks ready. And also on Arena, the new code to get three free packs is PLAYM21. Enter that in in the store redeem code section. You'll get three free Core 21 packs. Picking back off of Matt's last comment about Arena, uh, I'm sure I've seen this online few, from a few places that people have been experiencing black screen on Arena because of the new update. As of the 25th, um, black screen, we have an in, um, incident report from MG, MTG Arena. They state we are we have deployed a hotfix to address some of these issues. Uh, patch notes. Patch notes are available here. Um, within this link that we will have below. If you're still having problems, but they sh- shouldn't have a problem. Because I uh, played MTG Arena what, yesterday. And it required me to, I don't know, download or upload a C++ link. So I don't know if that's just what they did for it, or fix, but it worked on my screen, so either of you guys experienced that black screen? Nope. I didn't play all weekend. Huh. It's doing yard work. That sucks. I wasn't. It was too hot to do anything. Yep. I imagine, though, as soon as I open it up, though, it'll want to update yeah, because I had, what, a 16 megabyte upload plus the C++. Yep. So, but moving along with that, JB, what do we have up next? We have Hipsters of the Coast put out a uh, free-to-play guide for MTG Arena. So, with their free-to-play guide, it looks like they're just running, uh, they got their spreadsheets up for drafting and tracking your rares and stuff. Basically telling you to just draft rares. After that, there is a very cute news quickie. Uh, WizKids unveils a very huggable Magic the Gathering Planeswalker plushies. This is off 
icv2.com. Uh, WizKids unveiled that they're making funny plush toys, and they have four planeswalkers of these plush toys that they're making. So, uh, the four uh, the four planeswalkers that they're using are Ashandra, and Nicol Bolas, and Ajani, and Garuk. All these are super adorable. They're going to retail about $11.99, and they are about eight inches tall. Totally going to be picking up that uh, Nicol Bolas. A little cutie with an egg in his horns. I do. I might have to pick up a Johnny. Only because they don't have, well, either a Johnny or Garrick. Yeah, these, these plushies are pretty pretty adorable. Not going to lie. I'm waiting for them to come up with some more. Yeah, that'd be cool if they did come up with some more. But just the four for now. And on to our last news quickie. MTG has announced a Magic the Gathering Arena starter kit. Comes with two decks in paper or cardboard and then codes for those two decks to be able to be redeemed onto Magic the Arena for play on there. Uh, these arena starter kits are available for pre-order on Amazon for $11.83 with the same July 3rd release date as of everything else from this set according to Amazon. Um, like I said, it includes two ready-to-play 60-card decks, each with one foil and six showcase lands, two reference cards and guide you through your turn, one rules and world Rules and World of Magic booklet, two spin dial life counters, and one MTG code for two people to unlock both decks online. So you and your buddy can both get both of these decks, I guess. That's pretty nice. So move to Boggle with the last update. Alright, so then the last, the actual last quickie. We have M- Melee.gg posted an update on their Facebook. Looks like in the last three months, they've hosted over 50,000 matches. And they're celebrating by releasing an overhaul to the player controller. They've added a new indicator for connections. All the data on the controller updates automatically now in real time. Check-in for the tournament is now automatic. When the when you open up the window and you navigate to the player controller. The whole update is posted on their Facebook. We'll have the link in the show notes. So, now we're going to turn it on over to Matt for our deep topics. Last week, uh, Last week, there was the state of the game for Arena article that was released on the Wizards on the Wizards uh, page. Uh, they covered the Arena on Mac, which we already covered before. Uh, the reprint problem got addressed here, and I figure this one's going to be uh, this one should definitely be something that we talk about here. So it's in the pack collection and reprints. So. Here's their plan that's going to alleviate the reprint problem. If you don't remember from last week, the reprint problem is with Core 21. There is a bunch of the new Scrylands, a bunch of the Scrylands coming back. And people are a little upset because it's like, I already have a playset. If I'm opening a pack and get this rare, that's pretty crappy. So this is Wizards' plan to help alleviate that. First off, Quote, if you've collected a playset of a fully reprinted card, we will be adjusting the rate at which you'll receive these cards in store boosters. We're defining full reprints as a card that shares both the name and artwork of a card that already exists in MTG Arena. So an example like this would be Sorcerer's Spyglass that came out in Throne of Eldraine and... Uh, one with the other one. Ixalan. Ixalan. It'd be like 
that. Uh, they both have different arts. So if they come out with a reprint with a different art, you're going to get the different art instead. The rates are not adjusted on those. Also, quote, you will only receive a copy of fully reprinted cards from a pack after you received play sets of all other rares and mythic rares. The same thing that we do if a card is banned in standard. If you already own a playset for copies of a card that is fully reprinted, you will only receive further copies of that card from store boosters if you already own playsets of all other rares and mythics from the set. The game will check this against your entire collection. So, for example, they say if you own three copies of Fabled Passage from Throne of Eldraine and you open a fourth in Core 2021, the game will adjust the distribution rate of this card in both Throne of Eldraine and Core 21 booster packs now that you've completed a playset. This change does not impact limited boosters. You will still receive them at their original distribution rate in draft or sealed events. These changes only apply to fully reprinted rares and mythic rares, and we will not be adjusting the distribution rate of fully reprinted commons or uncommons. Corset 2021 cards that are also available in Jumpstart are treated as being part of Core 2021 for anything that affects distribution rate or duplicate protection. So they go on to say that it was their goal to make sure that players who want to collect all the cards still can, while allowing them to prioritize new cards over the effectively duplicate rares and mythics. Uh, so it's good to know that they address they address the mythic problem here. I would say or the the re- reprint pro- they address the reprint problem. In a you mean the the temple problem? Temple problem seems pretty accurate, you know, since. It it really came ahead because of the because of the temples. I feel like we would have been better off with check lands. Yeah, there was uh there was on I'm pretty sure it was a, a Good Morning Magic by Gavin Verhey that came out today, uh Monday the twenty ninth, where that got asked. Uh he was doing a QA where people sent him questions on Twitter and then he answered them in the video. And one of the questions, if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, was about the the person was asking if Scrylands are going to be the new thing that will be coming in core sets from now on, like how it was Checklands back in the day. And uh, paraphrasing this, Gavin Verhey was saying that with Core 20 rotating out and they're going to lose, you know, that extra source of colored mana, the uh, the enemy colored the enemy colored scrylands were going to be rotating out, and we would only have the allied ones, right? Yeah, the allied ones. They wanted to try and keep you know the mana bases consistent and standard and stuff for that, so that's why they specifically chose the the scrylands. It's not saying that the scrylands are going to be in all the core sets from here on out, but. Man, if we could get check lands back, that'd be pretty cool. We need allied fast lands. Yeah, oof, I don't know how they're going to do something like that. Last because Pine- Pioneer sucks right now without those. Yeah, I don't know where they would. I don't know where they would put those. Last time they put in the, the fast lands were in Kaladesh. Yep, and those got the enemy ones. Yeah. The allied ones were in the Mirrodin block, and so. Yeah, I mean, they just got to find a good spot to put them. Or even the Pain Lands would be cool. Last time they did the Pain Lands was in Magic Origins as well, but they only did the enemy ones because that had the white, white, red one, and that's enemy colored. And white, black. Uh, But to keep on going with the State of Arena, the event schedule has come up. So there's going to be quick drafts happening for Aquaria Lair Behemoth from June 26th to July 10th. So you get till next week to get in them quick drafts for Aquaria Lair Behemoth. And then from July 10th to the 24th, it's going to be the Core 21 quick drafts going on. And then the play uh, player draft schedule is going to be June 25th to September sometime at an unmentioned date 
Core Set 2021 is going to be the premiere draft. And at the same time frame of June 25th to September at some time, it's going to be a Coria traditional draft. Sealed is going to be going from June 26th, which was Friday, until July 10th. It's Core Sealed. And then the additional events that are going on is July 4th through the 7th is the Standard Metagame Challenge. Then July 11th through the 13th is the Core Set Constructed. So if you remember last week when we were talking about Jumpstart, they're going to be changing 20 of the cards that were going to be printed in Jumpstart for Arena. They're changing 20 of those Jumpstart cards to a different one for Arena only due to power level. And here Which I think is dumb. Yeah, a lot of people do. They say that they're going to be problematic in Historic. And they just want... Oh, but Eldrazi and stuff like that are perfectly fine in Historic? Nah. Well, I mean, we're not watching... Let us, let us have Path and Bolt. Come on. Yeah, cause there's definitely some of these that are kind of goofy. Like, Ajani's Chosen is one of them. That's in Jumpstart, but it's not going to be on Arena Jumpstart. And it's White White 2 for a 3-3 when an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control. Create a cat creature if that enchantment was an aura you may attach it to the token it doesn't seem that hard of a thing to be putting in arena in my opinion but i'm not i'm not a programmer i don't know what's what level of coding and stuff this takes so don't listen to me when i say like oh this doesn't make sense why it's not in there i don't know there's probably more behind the scenes stuff that i don't know but well, just with, that, microphones. with that being said, of your choice of Johnny's Chosen, their choice is Archon of Sun's Grace. Yep, that's taking it's, its place. Con- Constellation, or Constellation ability is one of our enchantment enters battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white Pegasus creature. So what's the difference between the two? It's one of our enchantment enters, you create a 2-2. Yeah, and this one's better because it's a flying and lifelink. Well, exactly. I don't see where where there's really a difference between the two, except for the one that Archon's probably the better of the two. Right. But I mean, this has cat. Uh, this has cat synergies. Ajani's chosen, which is important now with cats yeah. with cats getting boost and. We're going to cover this here in a little bit as well, but there's going to be Amonkhet remastered, so even more cat synergies and stuff coming from there, but we'll get, we'll get to that here in a second. So we'll just skim through this list here real quick. I'm going to start off with first the first cards we're going to announce are going to be from the tabletop. Second ones are going to be what they're transform, transforming into on MTG Arena. So we first off we have a chain lightning. So one drop sorcery deals three three damage to any target, and then that player or permanent control may pay two red. If it does, they may copy this spell. May choose a new target for the copy that is being transformed into a lightning strike, which is red and a one deals three damage to any target creature or any target. Next up is lightning bolt, another one drop, good old. Three damage to anyone, anything. Again, that's just being transformed into lightning strike. Next one, we have a ball lightning. So three red, or it's red, red, red. Trample haste at the beginning of your end step. Sacrifice ball lightning. It's a six one. It is being changed, transformed into lightning serpent with a one red X. Trample haste lightning serpent comes into play with X one plus one plus zero counters on it. At the end of the turn, sacrifice this. It's a 2-1. Next up, we just talked, was Johnny's Welcome, transforming to Archons of Sun's Grace. Next up, we have Angelic Arbiter. Two white, five colors, angel flying. Each opponent who casts a spell this turn can't attack with creatures. Each opponent who attacked with creatures this turn can't cast spells. It's a 5-6. Transformed into Sarah's Guardian. Two white, four colorless, angel, flying, vigilance, other creatures you control have vigilance. It's a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, that's a pretty even trade, I think. 
Next up, we have we have Dronotic Roar. It's like one red, one instant, an additional cost to cast this. You may reveal a dragon card from your hand. If you have three damage to target creature, if you reveal a dragon card or control a dragon as you cast Dronotic uh, Roar, Dronotic Roar deals three damage to that creature's controller. Transformed into Scorching Dragonfire. Same cost of one and one red, one. Uh, Scorching Dragonfire deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn, exile it instead. And lastly for me, we have Goblin Lore. So one red, one color sorcery. Draw four cards, then discard three cards at random. Transformed into Goblin or Flame. Same cost of one red, one colorist, enchantment. Attacking creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. For my chunk, first up we have Flame Tongue Kabu. For three and a red, you get a 4 2 creature. When it enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to target creature. And that's turning into Fanatic of Mogus. For three and a red, you get a 4 2 creature. When Fanatic of Mogus enters the battlefield, it deals damage to each opponent equal to your devotion to red. Next up, we have Exhum. For one and a black, Sorcery. Each player puts a creature card from their graveyard onto the battlefield. It's going to turn into Bond of Revival. For four and a black, Sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste until your next turn. Next up, we have... uh, Fadia Seer, for one and a green, you get a 1-1 one, one creature. Tap, draw a card, reveal it. If it isn't a land card, discard it. That's going to turn into Dryad Green Seeker. One and a green, you get a 1-3 creature. Tap, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. Next up we have Mausoleum Turnkey. For three and a black, you get a 3-2 creature. When Mausoleum Turnkey enters the battlefield, return target creature card of an opponent's choice from your graveyard to your hand. That's going to turn into Audacious Thief. For two and a black, you get a 2-2 creature. Whenever Audacious Thief attacks, you draw a card and you lose one life. Next up, we have one of my favorite cards, Path to Exile. Single white instant. Exile target creature. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card. Put that card onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle to their library. And that's going to turn into Banishing Light. For two and a white, you get an enchantment. When Banishing Light enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. That was not a fair trade. No, not a fair trade at all. Next up, we have Read the Runes. For X and a blue, for instant speed, draw X cards. For each card drawn this way, discard a card unless you sacrifice a permanent. That's going to turn into Gadwick the Wizened. For X, blue, 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 you get a 3-3 legendary creature. When Gadwick the Wizened enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. And the last swath of cards here that are getting changed. We have Ristic Study, Commander Classic, Blue 2 Enchantments. When an opponent casts a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one. Is getting changed into Teferi's Ageless Insight. Blue Blue 2 Legendary Enchantment. If you draw a card, except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. The jumpstart printing of Shieldred Whispering One of Black Black 5 for a 6-6 Praetor with Swamp Walk. Beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Also, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. That is getting changed to Carnifex Demon. Black Black 4 for a 6-6 Flying Demon. Enters the battlefield with two Negwan Negwan counters on it. Then you pay black, remove an egg one counter from Carnifex Demon, and put an egg one on each other creature. Scourge of Neldhoth, black black 5, 6-6 six, six, zombie dragon. 
flying, you may cast Scourge of Nail Toth from your graveyard, paying black black and sacrificing two creatures rather than paying its mana cost. That is getting changed into Woe Strider, standard classic. Then we have Scrounging Bandar, green one for a zero zero cat monkey that reads Scrounging Bandar ETBs with two plus one plus one counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may move any number of plus one counters from Scrounging Bandar onto another target creature. Is getting changed to Pollen Bright Druid. Green one, Elf Druid one one. When it ETBs, you choose one of put a plus one counter on a target creature, or you proliferate. Thought Scour from Jumpstart, blue, instant, target player mills two cards, draw a card, is getting changed to Weight of Memory. Blue, blue, three, sorcery, draw three cards, target player puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. That one, in my opinion, not a fair trade. No, not at all. (laughs) And then the last one uh, out of the 20 cards, Time to Feed, which is green two sorcery. Choose target creature and opponent controls. When that creature dies this turn, you gain three life. Target creature you control fights that creature. Is going to change you prey upon. Green sorcery. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So those are all the card changes. Uh, Apologize if we went through that bit real quick. Links for this in the description down below for you to be able to check it out more in depth to see. And you can also kind of look inquisitively of why these cards are changed. They put at the end of this section, quote, Again, we'll have more details in the upcoming weeks, but we have a lot to cover today, and July is so next week, unquote. So next on the state of the game, there's an update to the Brawler's Guild Hall. Brawler's Guild Hall has been tested as free-to-play since... Oh, when did it change? February, right? Wasn't it like I March, the, I think? It was March, yep. So they removed the they removed the entry fee for get Brawler's Guild Hall in March to see what would happen with it. And they were feeling comfortable allowing it to stay free now forever. Uh, one of the reasons is they were... They were afraid if Brawler's Guild Hall was free all the time, it would take away from Standard, and they want Arena to be primarily Standard-focused. Cares about Standard. (laughs) Standard sucks. So, this was just like a little test area, uh, a little test time from March till now, and they feel they have nothing to worry about, essentially. So starting July 1st, the Brawler's Guild Hall will be no more. Instead, Wednesday Brawl will just become Brawl. All day, every day, no entry fee. Earn daily wins and quest progress. No takesies, backsies. It will be a queue alongside play, standard rank, etc. Starting in July and into the foreseeable future. Oi. Hey. You gotta be careful and be a little more quiet with those button presses, okay? Yeah, you're mashing that too hard. You back out here again? I have to be quiet. You're podcast. Yeah, I know. It's impressive. Like a fucking ninja. Like a fucking ninja, indeed. So, with Brawler's Guildhall, this does not include historic brawl. They say... Quote, we will continue offering historic brawl as a part of our rotating events and plan to do some through rotation. We know this is turning out to be a popular format, separating from standard brawl, so we want to be clear as to why we're not making any changes between now and then. We want to see what happens. By the time Zendikar Rising rolls around, we'll have... <laughs> rolls. R-O-I-L-S. I see what they did there because Royals and Zendikar. Anyways, we'll have supported our always available brawl queue for some time and want to get a clear picture on what impact standard rotation has on the format. Once that resolves, we plan on taking another look on how we plan to support historic brawl going forward. You're welcome to keep the conversation going. Just bear in mind that you shouldn't expect any changes or updates between now and then. 
For more information on rotation and brawl, you can check out the Road to Rotation section below, which will be next. And if you guys play, play brawl, no. I haven't for a while, but I have a few, few brawl decks. I did one for an event one time, and that was about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's about it I had for the brawl or playing with friends. I've done a couple uh, standard brawls. I've never done historic or anything, but it's good to know that standard brawl is just going to be staying free now. So now on the road to rotation, uh, because Zendikar Rising is only a few months away, they just want to like prep us up for what is going to be happening change-wise in the next 8 to 10 weeks here. So the June 25th changes that happened last week, events, uh, they'll no longer be scheduling quick drafts or sealed events for sets rotating out of standard this fall. So that means Throne of Eldraine forward is going to be getting the only quick drafts and sealed events. There will be no more uh, Guilds of Ravnica, no more Core 20 that are going to be in those. And then the ICRs are also no longer going to be Ravnica and Core 20, it's all going to be Throne of Eldraine moving forward. When August comes rolling around, new player decks uh, that we're talking about earlier that were going on sale. So those that enter in Arena at this time will be getting free decks. Uh, do you guys still have your free decks when you start playing Arena? Sure. I believe so. I, I may have deleted them. I can't remember. I know I still got mine all made. Don't know why. Doesn't make sense. I don't play them, but... I don't play them, so I just deleted them. <laughs> so, those new decks, for anybody who makes an account, uh, they will be getting updated and stuff. Uh, they currently intend to recreate the update deck lists for existing players, so everyone will have access to decks that are standard legal. If these decks contain cards that are not currently a part of your collection, you will be granted them. So you get a couple, uh, probably get a couple cool rares or mythics. Not like super broken stuff. Don't know, but we'll see. Like Oko? <laughs> oh, man. No. No, JB. Enough of you with that. <laughs> Go back to the boggle box. You're in timeout. <laughs> oh, timeout. <laughs> uh, Amonkhet Remastered. Mentioned that up a little, uh, a little bit ago. They're like, quote, oh, hey, did this get your attention? We hope so. We're strictly speaking, this has obviously nothing to do with rotation. Since we're talking timelines, we figured we might as well slip this in. Amiket Remastered will be arriving in August, adding an additional 300 plus cards to Historic. Yes. We're getting the original gods. We're getting Nicol Bolas God Pharaoh. I bet. This is speculation. I, uh, rewind. All that speculation. Not confirmed. This is just me speculating. <laughs> All the original gods. Nicol Bolas God Pharaoh. What Amonkhet cards are you guys excited for? Honestly, I have I don't remember Amonkhet. Yeah, that was before I started. Well, Danny, you would definitely like Soulscar Mage. Prowess one that gives Nick one, Nick one counters. Historic Ooh, I bet you were getting Solemnity. Ooh, yeah, Solemnity is in that as well. Or no, prepare that- for some uh, busted nine lives Solemnity crap. So next on the road to rotation, Zendikar Rising, rotation time. So Core Twenty, Gills of Ravnica, Allegiance, War Spark will be leaving. And then Throne of Eldraine forward is going to be happening when Zendikar Rising, clearly. Historic uh, cards and rotating sets will still be playable in Historic. Uh, Historic does not have its own list. Or Just remember, Historic does have its own list of suspended and banned cards. Uh, renewal, another part of uh, rotation, they say, quote, As we did last year, we'll be adding some special events and rewards for players to help renew their collection for the new standard environment, as well as to show our appreciation for all your support. 
We expect to have more information on this system sometime in August. Just remember, folks, with rotation, unless we get something good from Zendikar, your mana base is going to suck because we're losing Shocklands. That's true. Shocklands are going to be gone. Do we have any This Week in MTG speculations or what we would hope for dual-colored lands to come back? I don't know. What do you think is more Zendikar appropriate? Creature lands. Besides fetch lands, because you know we're obvious they're not going to print fetch lands in a standard set as much as we would hope. Yeah. Yeah, they said no no fetches in standard. But creature lands, that's very Zendikar. I don't know if they'd actually print uh, Creeping Tar Pit or Celestial Colonnade or Raging Ravine, like those ones. Maybe they'll do new, new ones, but it'd be cool if they reprinted those. That'd be pretty cool. Especially since I'm looking for all the I lands. could see maybe Pain Lands. Pain Lands would be okay in there, I'd say. So yeah, maybe that's it. We're going to get the Pain Lands in Zendikar Rising. That seems like a good place to get it. Maybe? Maybe. Hey, Maybe they'll do Allied Fast Lands. I don't know. Yeah, Fast Lands as well. So it would be... Yeah, they, but they'd have to change the names because Dark Slick Shores and stuff like that, Razor Thicket, they're not really Zendikar named, really? I mean, I don't, maybe. Razor Thicket could be do, dealing with, the art could look like uh, the Eldrazi Wastes and stuff that happened afterwards. And stuff. Black Cleave Cliffs, that could be, yeah, maybe it would be Fastlands. Those, those lands, ooh. Pain lands would be cool. Fast lands would be cool. Yep. So, I mean, heard here, folks, if uh, if these predictions are right, you can call JB the the psychic boggle now. <laughs> yeah, because how many of my predictions have been right so far, pretty much? Yeah. Please don't get into his ego. <laughs> He's kidding. You can't deny his track record. Oh, no, yeah, but his ego is getting bogger- bigger than himself. Ah, don't worry. He's, hey, he's still a little that doesn't guy. take much. <laughs> oh, it does not. For all those out there, JB is definitely the size of a boggle. You know, like the ones that s- sit on your shoulder. So, for him, for his ego to get inflated to the size of big proportions, it would take a lot. And Danny and I, we always put him back in his place. So, Matt, does that mean you're my bog bonder? Yes. Yes. Uh, Matt Bogbonder. I'm in. Niv Mizzet. Oh, this ain't Niv Mizzet stuff right here. This is staying in the cat. <laughs> this is staying in. People need to listen to this. <laughs> uh, lastly, on the state of arena, there has been some deck builder improvements, new menus uh, for more advanced searching through your collection uh, with an additional window that pops up. It looks very smooth. You can change the size of the cards as well. Uh, there's a, it's like more scalable. Uh, the it looks very good. The new deck improvements. So that was state of the game. Very long. We're gonna quickly cover some rules comprehension comprehensive rules that happened here uh we'll just link the link that in the description down below it's more of just like crossing t's dotting i's uh figuring out non-active player active player roles and stuff like that with companion it's just more fine-tuning rules with cards that have been getting printed and fixing up things to fit with cards that have been printed. And then uh this one I actually forgot to put up put up in in the in the docs here. The band Planeswalkers. So the band's Planeswalker with Sozo Michael and Jason Ashcraft. Uh we talked about them a while ago. This uh power metal band called Helion Prime. Those two member, two members, Sozos Michael and Jason Ashcraft, they started the band Planeswalker, and they released their first single 
last week, and it is so good. It's called The Forever Serpent. Highly, highly recommend that you guys check this one. This one's going to be at the top of the links. Totally worth it. If you're a power metal fan, did you guys listen to it? I know I shared it to you. Did you listen to it? I did. Yeah. Didn't you play it for us the other night? Yeah. It's good. It's really good. It's really powerful. I'm excited to see what these guys are going to keep doing. But I, I wanted to wanted to check that in here for everybody who's into power metal. Oh, it, it blows my mind. It's so good. I'm a metal head. I appreciate metal and magic combining together like this. But from there, that'll close off the news section. Then we'll move into the finance section. Cha-ching! So, as always, our finance section, we go off of mtgstocks.com. They come up with a weekly article called The Weekly Winners, where they highlight three to five cards that have been moving up in price and three to five cards that have been moving down in price. This week's cards have moved up primarily from EDH due to Jumpstart. First off, we have Hannah Ships Navigator, which is blue white one one two human artificer. It's a legendary creature, so it can be your commander. Has an activated ability of blue white one tap return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. This one, uh, not only being a main EDH card, one of the reasons of moving up in price for this is because of controversy that happened last week with Therese Nielsen and Wizards cutting ties with her. And people are speculators jumped on buying foil copies of this one, which is the M25 version, uh, which has now jumped up to $9. Before it was about two fifty, and as of today, the card has moved down a little bit, just at seven dollars and eighty-five cents. Next, we have a reserve list card moving up in price from Homelands. We have Didgeridoo now sitting at just under twelve dollars. So this card spiked back in 2013 and 2017 because of Minotaur cards, because Digidoo is a one-drop artifact that reads, pay three mana, you may put a Minotaur permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. So yeah, this card spiked back up in original Theros when there was a bunch of Minotaurs, then again around Ixalan when a couple more Minotaurs came around in Amonkhet when there's Minotaurs there, and it was sitting at a steady $4.50 until last week when it jumped up to 10 and it's still moving up. It is now just, it's at $11.50. And this being a reserve list card and Minotaurs becoming a very supported tribe now with Jumpstart coming out because it has Seth Roth Herlon General, which is a legendary Minotaur. So you can not be running Neheb and stuff. So last on the weekly winners, we have a card that I called out last week, Persistent Petitioners, moving up in price. It is now just under $3, and staying pretty stagnant right now at that, just under th 3 bucks. It is blue one for a 1-3 human advisor. You pay one tap. Target player puts its top card of their library into their graveyard, so they mill. And then you can tap four untapped advisors. Target player mills 12 cards. And then a deck can have any number of cards named Persistent Petitioner. Foils on this card too, by the way. Moving up in price. They're almost $6 right now on this common from Ravnica Allegiance. Yeah, that's insane for a common. It's it's kind of like Rat Colony again with that because any card they could play multiples of and foils and a, of of stuff like that they move up in price. But with Jumpstart, one of the new cards, Bruvec, the Grand Delinquent, that was spoiled, just 
makes if you have four advisors mill 24 cards because Brutovec is a blue two one four human advisor as well. So this can tap along with persistent petitioners. And then it reads, if an opponent would mill one or more cards, they mill twice that many cards instead. Oh, mill, mill, mill. I'm excited for this. I cobbled together a standard mill deck as well. It's, it's referred to as the Abyss Bomb, with Teferi's Tutelage and Peer into the Abyss. But that's a topic for another day. I'm just excited for mill. <laughs> So with Persistent Petitioners being uh, the last weekly winner, JB, you want to give us some of the uh, cheap pickups then? Oh, you know it. So first up, we have Zaxera, the Exemplary. This is Commander 20 print. Sitting at $7.99, record low and stabilized. Zaxera is uh, one generic Saltai. You get a 2-3 Legendary Nightmare Hydra. It's got Death Touch. You can tap it to add 2 mana of any one color. Whenever you cast a spell with X in its mana cost, you create a 0-0 Green Hydra creature token, then put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Next up, we have one of my favorite cards out of Ikoria. We have Fiend Artisan. Sitting at $15.66, record low and trending down. Fiend Artisan is a uh, Hybrid Golgari, Golgari. For a 1-1 Nightmare creature. Gets plus 1, plus 1 for each creature card in your graveyard. And you can pay X and a Hybrid Golgari to tap it. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. It's a pretty sweet card. I've played around with this a little bit online. Definitely excited that the paper price is dropping. Right. I'm kind of surprised that, you know, the Jun Sacrifice or the Rakdo Sacrifice decks haven't maybe done like a one-of or something of this. Just a way to, to, to pull out a Mayhem Devil in the deck that they're going to need because, you know, sack a goose, get a Mayhem Devil or pick out a Korvold as well. And it's, it's a sack outlet and it gets big. I don't know. I think that was something that was discussed I imagine the pro players definitely tried it. I don't know. Maybe there's something I'm missing. It's too slow being a two-drop. Maybe the two-drop slot is just too crowded with uh, Priest of the Forgotten Gods. So then last but not least, we have another Commander 20 printing. We have the Locust God sitting at $5.61, record low and trending down. For four, blue and red, you get a 4-4 Legendary God. Flying. Whenever you draw a card, you create a 1-1 blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. You can pay two generic blue and red to draw a card, then discard a card. When the Locust God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So that closes out the finance section. Go check out TCG Sniper if you want to be picking up cards on the cheap if you're a patient person. What you do is you enter a card from TCG Player into TCG Sniper. They monitor that card. And when you enter that card, you put our desired price of that card. And you'll get notified when it goes down to that price. Good example right now, a big card that has been dropping is from Modern Horizons. I've been keeping an eye on this, is Echo of Eons. That's been pretty steady at like 12 bucks, and it's now on a downward shift. And that's just a solid commander card that got printed in Modern Horizon. So enter that card in, be like, I want to pay eight bucks for that. And then as soon as it gets to eight dollars from TCG Sniper, you get a notification through Discord, email, or text message. Then you go to TCG Player and snipe it up. But we have a deck of the week to talk about this week. Do we? Oh yeah. We have a polymorph deck in standard. Oh, joy. Great. Don't worry, don't worry. It's not any Agents of Treachery polymorph style going on here. This deck is a Nea deck that revolves around the card Transmorgify, which is 
a red three sorcery exile target creature that creature's controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts that card on the battlefield and shuffles the rest into their library. And this deck has some big fat fatties in here that you can that you can transmorgify up. You have Titaneth Rex, which is a nine man nine mana eleven eleven dinosaur beast with trample and cycling. And then when you cycle it, you put a trample counter on a target creature you control. And the other big fat fatty is Impervious Great Worm, which is a green 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 seven sixteen sixteen worm with indestructible and convoke. I should get this in my commander deck. It is a big boy. Imagine with all your sapperlings that you make in Rith, this oh, yeah, is just going to sure. be a free sixteen sixteen you drop on the field. Yeah, but does he really need it? This, yes. This is Danny. <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> he needs this card. Remember, I don't like taking people out one by one. I only like take everyone out at the same time. Right. So some of you may be asking, how are we going to transmorgify these creatures if they're so high, if they're the only creatures? Well, JB, tell them how we're going to be transmorgifying into a Titanoth Rex and an impervious Great Worm. Well, what you're going to do is you're going to cast Satyr's Cunning, Forbidden Friendship, Raise the Alarm, or Goblin Gathering, and make some pitiful, pitiful little token creatures. And you're going to exile them to search for your big fat fatties. So a few more helpers in order to get those non-creature, or those creature tokens to help you get those big guys. Uh, this deck is running four foot hall, uh, footfall creators. Um, it's enchant land. Enchant land has a target creature, gains trample and haste. So it actually helps once this guy comes out. But then you have Birth of Melodist. On its phase two, you create a zero four color wall artifact creature. Um, then you have four Forestry um, of the Wilds. That again is helping the worm once it's out. Gives it a plus one plus zero oh until it's end trample. But then Omen of the Sun, Omen of the Sun enters, create two one ones. So Shaman, non legendary, so you can just play all three of them. So you can get six one ones, which helps tremendously for that worm. And then also you have Castle of Ardenvale, which you can just tap land, create tokens, which again help convoke costs. And then you're just running the four temples. Why is there only one though? Of each. Because the temples suck. Yeah, they don't want too many tapped lands. They do. But then why aren't you running just four sacred foundries rather than two and then two stomping grounds instead of two? Well, that's that's definitely the thing is maybe the mana base can get can get touched up here to I suppose the cost cost of that would be a little, little spendy, but bringing this back to it, they're running one Castle of Ardenvale, two Fable Passage, five Mountains, three Plains, two Sacred Foundries, two Stomping Grounds, two Temple Gardens, one of each Temple of Abandon, Temple of Plenty, and Temple of Triumph. It looks like a fun deck for only $97 or $98. Right. And that can get cut down pretty significantly by removing some of those shock lands. Because you got Temple Garden for both of them, that's $21. The Sacred Foundry, that's $30. So you have 50 bucks cut off right there from four lands. And this is a, you know, a $40, $50 deck. Just yeah. put in some basics or, you know, put in the temples to get the colors. It'll be a little slower. Uh, because I imagine this deck definitely wants to be fast having untapped lands come in so that way you could be hard and aggressive with raise the alarms or goblin gathering or satyr's cunning 
another thing is uh I'm just surprised that there's no um Luca Coppercoat's outcast. You know, maybe like a, a one of or two of, but if this is trying to go in the budget direction, uh the creator of this deck, Mythic Tobeans, did not give a description uh in here to help us de- uh, understand a little better, but maybe they're just trying to go budget and let's take a look at Luca. Yeah, not bad. Luca Coppercoat Outcast is about $7.50. So doesn't seem too bad of a too too, too bad of a card to be adding in here. Cause for the Nag ability, it does the same thing as Transmorgify, and it's just giving you more, you know, repetitive copies for that. More ability to turn a token into an impervious great worm or a Titanoth Rex. I wonder I wonder if you can change up, like, maybe take out one Titanith Rex. And this is just me, because I have a thing for the Dirtle Turtle. Just to see what Yadaro Wandering Monster would be like, just just as a one-of in replace of Titanith Rex. Don't like that idea? No. Just want to focus on giving Trample and stuff to the Impervious Great Worm, I think is what that's going for. Or getting... Trying to Rex out by himself. Yeah, because he's Either bigger. one of those are massive. Yeah, yeah. Them both being over 10 power definitely puts your opponent on a clock. Exactly. And having footfall craters out <laughs> too. Ooh. Give an impervious great worm trample and haste when it comes out. Yeah, 16. And it is structural with trample and haste. Right. I imagine... That like this this goes off turn five like best way, best case scenario to have a token any token on turn three or a token on turn four there's, yeah because there's no real way to ramp into this to get a transmorgify off on before that so keep your mana open turn five cast transmorgify for four hit a titanith rex or an impervious great worm and then make sure that you already have one of your lands enchanted with footfall crater to give it haste so you know probably turn one footfall craters turn two you know drop a forbidden friendship or uh, raise the alarm turn three lava coil or uh, glass casket whatever your opponent has on board to help clear up the way a little bit save you some damage so Put up some blockers, but as long as on turn five you have a single token out and footfall craters on a land, you could be swinging for 11 or 16 on turn five. Which doesn't seem too bad. No. Especially if it's an impervious great worm. Being indestructible. Let's see, because it doesn't get wrecked by Bedevil, doesn't get hit. Well, it gets unsummoned by Petty Theft or Unsummon as well. Ooh, gets demolished by Aether Gust. This this deck does for sure. Thoughts, comments, concerns? Nope. Nope, it's standard, so it sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, with that Not deck, my wheelhouse. Well, I mean, if you play a deck like this, maybe it could be in your wheelhouse, because this looks fun. Me. And the fact that all this is like commons. The only the only See to, No, go ahead. To me to me, Boggles is fun. Rack is fun. Shit like that's fun. This uh, it's standard, so standard's not fun. Well, I mean, imagine polymorphing in modern at least. See, then, okay, then now we're talking. Like a Jeskai polymorph could be a thing. I know you played against uh, blue-white polymorph. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't fun. I got color locked out like a son of a bitch. Ooh, good old Iona. But that that closes off this deck. This looks super fun. List in the description down below. If you want to play this on Arena, this looks great. Super fun. I got a lot of these cards. I just have to use some wild cards to get impervious great worm 
and a couple of the land still because I don't have the temples for green or white, like Temple of Triumph or Abandoned. But with that, that is another episode of This Week in MTG. That it is. Thank you guys for joining in, listening, coming all the way to the end of this episode. If you've done that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Discord. Uh, we're definitely trying to be more active in there. Have uh, an outreach, more of an outreach to y'all. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, feedback of any sorts, please shoot us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcasting platform of your choice. We're out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and episodes are up every Tuesday night right now to uh, help me keep my sanity for when I edit. Anything from you guys? So long, goodbye. Keep on listening and send us something. Come on. Keep Matt busy. Spam him with emails. I'm down. Hit, spam me with stuff on Twitter, Facebook. I'll reply. Hit us up in the Discord. Right. You know, with Facebook and Twitter, well, Danny, you got access to the Twitter. JB, you don't want to get on Twitter, but you got access to the Facebook. Yes, I do have access to the Book of Face. Yeah. So hit them hit them all up on there as well. Not just me. Don't have to chuck me under the bus here. Get get deep boggle insight from JB on the rack and from well, boggles. And then Danny would love to talk to you about his Rift deck and making stupid amounts of tokens to no flipping end. Hey now, I don't make that many. and with that we close this episode isn't a lot lot. come on now (laughs) dropping like 60 to 70 in a turn yeah okay I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) and we will catch you guys later Bye. bye see ya